Hi, I'm Andrew Stocky, news anchor and sports director at WTAE TV Channel 4 here in Pittsburgh, and you're watching Dingo Talk. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadalino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week, news anchor and sports director of Channel 4 WTAE in Pittsburgh, Andrew Stocky. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to do this a little different. You're the first episode of us outside of uh, the show we used to do. Um, okay. Let's talk about, and I'm going to jump right in. Okay. You were born in Chicago, but you grew up in Simsbury, Connecticut. That's right. Uh, moved around a lot as a kid. And finally, my, my dad said, okay, you're going to be going to junior high school. Why don't you settle down somewhere? So we picked, uh, of all places, Simsbury, Connecticut. And uh, a small town of about, well, maybe about 35,000 35, people. And that's where I did my, my growing up and my, my formative years, which kind of led me to this point in my life. Well, so how does a guy from that's traveled that traveled around yeah. and settles in Simsbury, Connecticut, how do you end up in Athens? It's Athens, Ohio, correct? I, I went to Ohio University is where I went to college. It's in Athens, Ohio, which is the southeastern portion of the state of Ohio. Um, you know, I, I graduated from high school and I wanted to, everybody I, I went to school with stayed in New England. They go to Boston, great schools there. Great schools in Connecticut, but I really wanted to get away. I wanted to see the rest of the world. I've been in New England there for a good 10 year stretch and I decided you know, it was time to see something else. And I, I, I kind of have an idea of what I wanted to do with my life, at least the, I wanted to work in the business side of television. And uh, I looked around and I went to a lot of different campuses including Penn State. And when I went to Ohio U, it just felt like home. It was like, it's like a New England school in, with Midwestern sensibilities if that makes any sense. So it felt very much at home. And that's really a place that from the day I got there, I felt like, okay, this is where I belong. That's, that's where I did my time in college. So you, you get involved early in the communications field mm -hmm. with uh, WOUB. Mm -hmm. uh, and what led you away from business and more into the business side of broadcasting and more into the, the voice and the face and, and being on camera? Well, let me start by saying Ohio University has a great journalism school. It's called the Scripps School of Journalism. I think I stepped in there once because I had to go, I don't know, I had to pick up something or whatever. It might have been a shortcut through campus. But I really didn't study journalism in college. I, I didn't plan on doing this. Um, my focus was growing up, I love business. I thought television was a fascinating thing. I was getting the cable is just really beginning to explode. So this is like the late 80s, just to preface how old I am. And uh, I'd done an internship at ESPN, which is in Bristol, Connecticut. And of all the departments I worked in, which include working on sports center and things like that, I found the business side really fascinating and something I thought I really wanted to do. And uh, so I did a couple more internships with them in their business offices in Chicago. Uh, I had to do a senior thesis and I wrote a thesis about building a cable network. That was my, my thing back then. And I just thought that's where my life would take me. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I, I get out there and, uh, you know, my, my first job at ESPN as a working person, they had nothing available on the business side. So they made me work on sports center as a producer for six months. Uh, wasn't really crazy about that. Um, and I left, I went back home uh, and got a job at Sports Channel in Chicago in doing, in working the sales and marketing department. Um, and uh, then an opening actually came up at ESPN in the affiliate sales department. I, I hope I'm not talking too much inside baseball. And I, I lost out on the job. I came in second, which actually made me feel pretty good. The guy who got the job is now third in command at ESPN. So I feel kind of like, mm. yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel so bad. But it's funny, during all that time, I began to realize that, you know what? 
sales and marketing and business wasn't really for me. I mean, I, I, I felt like, you know, I think we all go through this thing in our lives where we think we're going to go one way. Mm-hmm. And then circumstances and things happen in your life that make you realize, you know, there's other things I can do. And I realized that I wanted to have an impact on the world. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to, you know, do something that, you know, when I'm gone, will still be there. Um, and sales and marketing wasn't that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. So I had done some television work in college. Uh, I've done some like sports play-by-play and things like that. My friend's like, you should go into being on TV. And I was going to kind of like, well, first of all, I don't have the anchor hair. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have that look. I don't, you know, this is like this in the late 1980s. Everybody looked like uh, Ron Burgundy yep. well, without the jacket. And um, <laughs> well, maybe some of the jackets. <laughs> and, and, and didn't have sky. I wasn't drinking scotch back then like him. So, um, but, but anyway, um, so I pursued an on-air career. And I, my first uh, job actually was not even an on-air job. I got a job at, at Fox News in, in Washington, D.C. Now, to let your viewers know, Fox News in 1990 was not Fox News as it is today. Okay. This, it wasn't even a cable channel. We were starting a news feed to produce news elements for our, the Fox affiliates around the country. So it wasn't what you think it is today. I mean, it was, that was, there was nothing like that. It was just an opportunity to work in journalism in D.C. Yes. And then um, about three months in, um, one of the tapes I sent out wound up in the hands of a, a news director in Hartford. And uh, she contacted me about an opening they had there for a weekend sports anchor. And I got the job. And I went up to see her. And I'll never forget this. I, I said to her, I said, thank you for, for hiring me. This is really cool. My very first job. But you had a lot of people you looked at. What was it about me that, that made me that, that person? And she said two things. Number one, you're from the area. So you understand Connecticut. You played high school sports here. You watched UConn basketball as a kid. The Whalers were still playing my, 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 my hockey team. To this day, my hockey team. You know, I like the Penguins, don't get me wrong, but that's my Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> and then the second thing, and you have to remember, this is like the early 90s. So Magnum P.I. is on the air, that sort of thing. You didn't have a mustache. So it separated you from everybody that was where, that was rocking the... Okay. Right. right. And to this day, that's why I don't have any facial hair. I just, uh, well, number one, I can't grow it. And number two, I just, I just don't have a mustache look. So... Um, that was my uh, foray into TV news. So it started in Hartford, Connecticut, of all places, where I grew up, you know, just outside. Simsbury is like about 30 minutes outside of Hartford. So that was my first foray into being a broadcast journalist covering weekend sports at the Fox station in Hartford. So I got to backtrack a little bit. I want to sure. ask you. Sure, of course. You interned at ESPN. Right. When you're, when, if you're interning for SportsCenter during that time, that is yeah. the beginning of sports center it's like the birth of where it's all well actually been around about 10 years sports center espn began in 1980 okay uh so by 1990 it was the station the network i mean cnn did a sports show every night that was pretty pretty cool back then uh, but espn was the place so i worked with chris berman and uh, bob lee when he was still doing sports center in fact the time i was there so uh, just uh, this is before keith Oberman had gotten there uh chris fowler was doing the 230 Sports Center. He was a new guy. So I was working with him. Um, let's see who else. There were some, there were some other guys, uh, Andrea Kramer. I mean, a lot of these are their names in the past, but that was ESPN at that time. And it was the place for sports. And, you know, you just lived and breathed it. And I was a, an associate producer. So what I would do, and I wanted to do this because I was at the time from that area and was kind of getting into hockey. I did all the hockey highlights back then. So literally, I'm in there directing the editor to cut hockey highlights. I'm writing a shot sheet. I'm giving it to the anchor. Uh, I worked on a couple, you know, doing like the opens for the shows and things like that. It was just, it was cool. 
Because at that time, I know viewers will have a hard time believing this now, your viewers will. You know, back then, uh, you know, local news, they did 6 and 11 o'clock news, and that's it. Yeah. There were three sports centers, that was it. ESPN was had just launched ESPN2. That's how, yeah, how fun. They have their ESPN, and then they have their, they're launching their next br branch out of just the regular station. Right, right. So this is like a completely different world at this point, you know. And, and so, you know, in that time, you had time to really produce something really nice. You had time. You were able to really focus on things. It was, it was a 24-hour news cycle, but it was not 24 hours nonstop. It was just that 24-hour period, whatever you put on the air is what you put on the air. So you're now I'm going to jump back forward. So you're okay, in Hartford. Sure. Okay. When does it – how do you end up down into Pittsburgh? Like how does that – What happen? Well, after I started doing sports in Hartford, this is 1991. So all this, I'm still 22 at this point. So I literally all this happened from the time I left high school till age 22. Um, I'm, you know, I, I knew that doing one show a day at a Fox station in Hartford was not going to make me the broadcaster I needed to be. I needed to get better at this. I needed to do it on a daily basis. So an opening open, there was an opening in Mobile, Alabama, uh, which I'm sure you've probably never been to. No, never been. Okay. Uh, it's the very coast of Alabama. Basically, you have Pensacola about an hour away. Uh, New Orleans is two hours away. Um, they had an opening at the NBC station for a, a weekday sports anchor. And I'd be doing the five, six, and 11 o'clock shows. And I realized I had to do this, do it multiple times daily to really get good at being a communicator. And so I left Hartford after a year and a half, which was not an easy decision. But I knew sometimes, <clears throat> as I tell people, you have to take one step back to take two steps forward. Okay. And that's what happened in my case. So uh, I, I went to Mobile. I was there for three years. Loved it. I had a great time. Uh, there was Alabama and Auburn football. That's yeah, all anybody cared about. That's all anybody cared about. I went to three Iron Bowls, covered two national championships. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And But then again, you're covering other things. Like they had things like fishing rodeos, which I'm sure you've never been to before. Um, <laughs> you, you must try it sometime. It's interesting. So fishing rodeos, uh, you're covering college baseball. High school sports are really big there. Uh, in fact, it's kind of funny because the high school athletes I covered there, a lot of them wanted to play in the pros. Yeah. You know, like, do you remember T. Martin? Yes. He was a high school quarterback when I was in Alabama. And then he ends up, does he end up here? Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to him. As soon as he came up here, I'm like, uh, I don't know if you remember me. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember you growing up. So, <laughs> it's, so in that, anyway, um, I was there for three years to really get better and hone my craft. And I'm glad I did it. It was a lot, it was far from home, far from my friends, but I really made a life for myself and I really enjoyed it. And then about that time, this is 1994. So I've been there, 94, 95, Channel 4 contacted me and they had an opening for a weekend anchor. And um, at that time I realized, okay, I think it's time now to get back into the bigger markets and, and show what I've learned. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh was a perfect place. I'd never been here, believe it or not. You know, I went to school three hours from here. In all of your travels, this was not the, the Western Pennsylvania just wasn't part of where you ended. I visited here once with my um, my dad because he had a friend who lived here, but that was about it. I really didn't it didn't know much about Pittsburgh. I knew it had steel mills and a football, and that's it. That's all I knew. Which so, right now we we have steel we don't have steel mills. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about the football team. <laughs> we have a hockey team and. Then there's those other guys on the north yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all the things I came here for are gone now. Um, anyway, um, so I came here in March of 1995. And, you know, I was one of those people who thought I'd be here for a cup of coffee. 
I mean, I wanted to work in Chicago. I wanted to work in Boston. I wanted to work in a big city with all pro, four pro teams and, you know, live that life. Um, but obviously it's not the way things worked out and for the better, because this is, this is home. I, I, I really can't imagine living anywhere else. And that's when you realize that you're in the right place. So, and before we go into our commercial, we've come to that point. We're already okay. at our commercial break. Oh, we got to pay some bills. I understand that. I had to, I, I, I left it out. Okay. But for those of you that don't know, Andrew graduated in, and correct me if I'm wrong, three years. Yes. 89, right. And graduated summa, summa cum laude. I always yes. yes. I messed that up. Uh, um, <laughs> what why so strong in the academics was that always something for you or was that something you really worked towards you know, it's funny you know? it's funny you, you, you mentioned you asked that question because I grew up I was not a real big academic guy just was not my thing I mean I I did what I needed to do to get you know the B and get the good grade and make my, my parents happy yeah but I went to a really a very good high school Simsbury High School is one of the better high schools on the east coast and I learned a lot of things about studying and, and habits and, and, and becoming a better student. And when I went to college and I, and I realized that, you know what, I, I, this is a second chance, chance to start all over again. I said, let me just go do the best I can. Let me, let me see if I can challenge myself. And they have an honors program at Ohio University, which is based on the Cambridge-Oxford system of tutorial. Basically, you build your own curriculum. You work with a tutorial advisor. You write a lot of papers. And you have to write a thesis to graduate. And I began to realize that I like that atmosphere of being able to be my own boss and work on my own and not to go to class and, you know, regurgitate what the professor says, but come up with a lot of original thought. Mm-hmm. So I learned to research, I learned to study. And I think because I really got into education, I became a much better student uh, than I ever was in high school. So I think it's, it really is the atmosphere. And that's why I always tell people, look, you know, what you do in high school, don't feel like that defines who you are. Mm-hmm. College is a restart. And it can be, it was for me, it can be for you. And so I'm not, I'm not a smart book guy. What I am good at is researching and finding the information I need in order to answer the question. Well, so we've come to that point. Um, <laughs> I got to send it to my sponsor, Harry Chambers. If you've, I, I'm, I'm going to point out maybe a place that you've never been, Bethany, West Virginia. The I have. Circle. I have. You have. So small world, everybody <laughs> somehow ends up in Bethany once. <laughs> Turn, they're on the wrong road, and here you end up. Uh, <laughs> Chambers General Store, if they don't have it, you don't need it. It's on their T-shirts. They're selling them right now. You can order them online through their Facebook page. Or if you're in the town of Bethany, make sure you stop at Chambers. It's the only store in town. So if you came to Bethany and didn't go to Chambers, I don't believe that you came to Bethany. <laughs> okay, I didn't come to Bethany then. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they also have the lunch specials, the soups. Um, he makes you any sandwich you want. For every first Friday of the month is Fish Friday. Uh, <laughs> And it, it really is true. If, if they don't have it, you don't need it. He's got the he's got the deli, and right above the deli is all the saws and the hammers and everything you could need to do whatever you need. Uh, but this is Dingo Talk. I am Carlo Guadagnino, Andrew Stocky, my guest this week, um, and we will be right back. While you're in Bethany, make sure you stop in the store for a daily lunch special, breakfast sandwiches all day, try out the biscuits and gravy, guaranteed it'll fill you up, and also look for our new burnt orange chambers, if we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirts, and our psychedelic green third edition Bethany mushroom capital of the world t-shirts. 
Now back to you, Dingo. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk, my guest, the anchor and sports director of Channel 4 WTAE in Pittsburgh, Andrew Stocky. Andrew, again, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. So we left off. You had just got to Pittsburgh. You were on the weekend anchor shift. Mm -hmm. How do you progress through? Because you end up doing sports. You end up hosting Operation Football and a couple other things. But that's obviously not right away. Where does the journey take you once you get to Pittsburgh? Well, when I got here, um, Channel 4 is a very established station here. The personalities are very established. I mean, when I was here, uh, Sally Wigan, obviously, had been established for a long time. Uh, let me see. Uh, Bill Hillgrove uh, was just winding down doing, like, everyday sportscasts. Uh, in fact, the staff we had when I got here was uh, Myron Cope had just finished doing his commentaries. <clears throat> Bill Hillgrove went from being the weekday guy to doing Steelery reports for us. We had a couple other guys. Uh, we had a couple producers. And I was the new guy myself and then Albie Oxenreiter was here too at the time. And it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, I, I was happy to be here and I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I like doing weekends and I love during the week going down and, you know, I'm, I'm at the ball game live at six and then doing a report for 11 o'clock. Um, but over time, we had people who moved on, who retired, who went on to other things. And I think just kind of like, you know, two or three years in, I was like, you know, you're the, you're the last guy here. You, you want to be the sports director. <laughs> so um, I, I said, yeah. So, um, you know, between about 96, 97, 98 is when the transition occurred. I was just kind of one of those things, well, you know, TV stations go through personnel changes. People move on, they retire, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just happened to be that person who was here. And um, obviously the work I'd done was impressive enough that I became the, the lead sports anchor, uh, which in a town like this is not easy. I mean, you're, I was 27 when I first got here. So I'm like 28, 29. And this is a town where, at least in the late 90s, there weren't a lot of young people. It basically established older People who had a track record. So I had a lot to prove and a lot to show people that, you know, I can do this. Um, the best, the biggest advantage I had was the fact that I was as old as many, many, many of the athletes I covered. So I could talk to them in a way that perhaps other people Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was fun. I, I made some really great relationships, which last this day. I mean, a lot of guys I, who play on the Steelers in the 90s are still friends to this day. Um, you know, guys like, I remember Steve Avery, who's a fullback. Uh, we became friends. Eric Rabati, I got to know his family very well. Um, just recently, I, you know, I saw Greg Lloyd and, and, and Carnell Lake, and we were able to talk about our interaction during the days. Um, and that's kind of the fun part. I was young enough to understand them. And I was also young enough where I looked like an athlete. Young <laughs> I mean, I, I remember the time I actually walked to the Steeler offices and I walked to the desk to pick up something. And the woman just said, the meetings are to the right. And I started going down the hallway. She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I guess she thought I was a player. Are you, are you with us? Wait, are you on our team? Did we sign you? Hold on. I was young enough and in good enough shape where I looked like I could I could pull it off. So, uh, yeah, so, so I started doing news. I was a sports director in the sports department from, you know, 97 all the way through 2006 when the Steelers got to Super Bowl 40 and finally won it. And that summer they said, look, Andrew, we'd like to have you give news a try. I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know why, but so uh, I started doing news. I tried it. Uh, they asked me to be the morning news anchor. Uh, you know, I, I guess they were going through some changes with personnel. And so I was paired up with Kelly Fry. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were the morning news anchors starting in 2006. And, um, uh, you know, it was, it was all new for me. I mean, I, I had an interest in politics, and that was about it. She helped me a lot in terms of, you know, getting used to being a news anchor. 
Um, and I really, I really found I enjoyed it. I mean, I left sports. I basically left sports to do this. And I didn't really miss sports. I mean, it was a whole new challenge. You know, the hardest part was getting up in the morning at two o'clock. But, you know, that's why I started drinking coffee. Yeah. I never had coffee in my life until that point. The two o'clock wake up was, the, that was the breaking point. I need yes. to yes. Well, also I was a new guy on the morning show. So the new guy makes coffee. For me. So, ah. This is pre-curing day before the curing was invented. Which makes it very easy now. You just pop that thing in. And... It's like, a, like the post-it note. Why didn't I come up with that? <laughs> so, um, so I did morning news for, for a couple of years, three years. And then they asked me to move to the evenings. So I anchored the five, six, and 11 o'clock news from, I think it was like 08 to 2011, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, it was, it was, I have to admit, it was a little overwhelming because, you know, I was being asked to do something. I'm like, well, wait a minute, me, you know? Um, but I've always had a, a strong work ethic. You know, I always feel, even if you don't know enough and you're not as experienced, if you work hard enough, you can be anything and do anything you want to do. So that's what kind of opened up that world for me. And I did news for, you know, evening news for three years. And, and about that time, they said, Andrew, we need you back in sports. I'm like, okay. well, I, I like this schedule. I like having weekends off. I don't like covering, you know, I, I, I had a different life. But there was a feeling like, you know, sports-wise, I could contribute an awful lot, too. I still had a lot of contacts, a lot of people that knew me. So uh, the management at the time came up with this idea, which had, at the time hadn't been tried very much at all. But they're like, look, you're going to be our 5 p.m. news anchor. And you're still, you're going to be sports director. And you do sports at 6 and 11 o'clock. And that might sound like, oh, wait a minute, why is the, why is the news guy doing sports? But I already had a 10-year track record as a sportscaster. Absolutely. And there were people who still, even though I was in news, thought I was a sports guy. I remember I went to talk to Dan Honorado, who at the time was running for governor of Pennsylvania. And he's like, what are you doing sending the sports guy in here to talk to me? And of course, after our Q and A, goes, oh, I see, you're not you're not a sports guy anymore. So, um, but yeah, so um, we tried something that was different and I think somewhat unique. Um, and the viewers, the viewers in this town bought into it. And I think one of the reasons they did is because in this city, sports is news. Yes, it is. You know, the Steelers, what they do is news. What the Penguins do is news. So in many ways, it's not that much different. It's still who, what, where, when, and why. And you can still cover a political campaign and a football game and, and you know, use the same journalistic tools. Mm -hmm. So the last 10 years, and I can't believe it's been 10 years now, I've had this position, you know, which is, it's still unique, I think, in this business. I think what we see a lot of now is young people in news, mm -hmm. in sports, excuse me, going to news because of the security, because, you know, stations seem to be doing less and less sports. So they're like, here's where the growth area is. Um, I, I don't know if there's anybody that does what I do, and I'm very fortunate. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I'm saying, I, if not for the management here, and this is multiple management groups, Channel Four, over time, believing in this concept, this wouldn't have happened. And so it's 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 a it's a real uh, it's a challenge. It's it's definitely time consuming, um, but it's it's also one of the most amazing things and one of the most energetic things I've ever done. And and I know that you know if they didn't think I could do it, I wouldn't be doing it. So with there being three stations in the city of Pittsburgh, so you have channel channel two, channel four, and channel 11. Yes. Is there a healthy rivalry between the sports guys? So like you, Bob, um, Albie, uh, John Fedko at the time, is there a little healthy like 
I want to, I want to have more people watch me than you, or is there more of a, Hey, I, I, I caught your show or I caught you. Is that, is that more how it goes or is there that, that, that competitiveness? Well, I mean, we're all in it to win. I mean, we want to be number one. That's, that's why we do it. I mean, it's part of the reason why we do it. But Bob, I've known Bob for 20 plus years. Great guy, his wife, his kids, they're wonderful people. Albie and I have been the best of friends for even dating back to when he worked here. You know, I, I want the best for my colleagues and the people I, I, I compete against, but I want to win. I mean, everybody wants to scoop. Everybody wants to be number one. We want to have the, the, you know, the exclusive. Yeah. That's just the nature of what we do. But all of us, and it's not just sports, but it's really throughout the Pittsburgh television market, we all get along great. You know, I know I see Lisa Sylvester from Channel 11 at events all the time. It's like, I'm so happy to see you. Give me a hug. Let's take a picture. We're friends. Yeah, and, I, and I like that, you know, but at the same time, yes, we want to win. So you can, you can have a rivalry. It's still a friendship in this business. So <clears throat> we covered your your ascension to anchor and still direct a sports director and still doing the sports. And now you're five, the anchor at 5 p.m., 6 p.m. and 11, you're the, the sports. Uh, oh, wait, oh, wait, I forgot to say. Okay, so no, actually, we have a four o'clock news now. Okay. So I do, I anchor the four, I anchor the five. I do sports at six and 11 o'clock. Now I understand the time consuming is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long day. And then if you throw in a Monday or a, I'm guessing Thursday football, Thursday night football and Sunday night football, you are the co-host of the black and gold primetime. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And you also do operation football. So Friday has to be a long day for you. Well, um, Friday is, it really isn't. I mean, um, unlike covering like like a, a primetime game, we're doing Seals prime, Black and Gold primetime. You know, if you're on the air at four o'clock, do this long game, into, and then you go on the air late anyway. So it winds up being a long day. But high school football is pretty simple. I mean, actually, it's the one day I get to like sleep in, you know, because I, I get here at two o'clock, you know, we've already planned out our coverage. Uh, Guy Junker's live at our game of the week. Um, if I can get out to a game for a half, I will. It's very hard to, as you can imagine. Yeah. You know, it really, it's not as hard as it used to be. I remember when we started doing this, um, the hardest part was everything was not instantaneous. There was no Twitter. Mm -hmm. There was no digital. I mean, back, I can literally sit at my desk and follow all these games and get the latest information on Twitter and on social media. I couldn't do that back then. I mean, back then we had to call the individual schools for scores if we didn't have them already. Now, you can imagine if it's like 11.05, You've got highlights from a game that you were there for maybe a half and you don't have the final score. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets, it gets interesting. I would imagine there's a time crunch, like, all right, somebody got to answer this phone. Please. Yeah. yeah, right, right. But now, I mean, I don't have stadium press box phones anymore. I mean, everything is on social media. Everything is on digital. So you know what's going on. Now our challenge is when we do high school football on Friday nights, chances are you probably know the scores. Yeah. Uh, but even if you don't, we, we have them anyway. But it's telling the stories of the games. It's seeing the video of the big plays. It's putting everything in context. So that's the challenge now. Because when I when you tune in the news at eleven o'clock, well, let's let's talk to say sports. You pretty much know what the big stories of the day are. The question is, how do I spin it? How do I take it to a different direction? What do I bring in that's new? That's why you can't run the same thing at, at eleven o'clock. You ran at six. Yeah. You try to find a different something different to get the viewers engaged and involved. So. Uh, being the guy that has covered the high school sports, I guess this is a two-parter. One, what has social media, and I guess more as a broadcaster, not just the high school sports, social media, what has it done to the industry? 
Has it made it easier? Has it made it harder? Because there's so much information available right away. Um, does that make it harder to, to keep up? Or does it make it easier because you might catch something on social media and then want to go look into that specific thing and see what you can find out? Are we talking about high school sports or just in general? Just, just in general. Well, social media, everything is immediate. That's the challenge. I mean, if you have your phone, you already know what's going on. Mm. You do. I mean, let's, let's be honest about it. I mean, that's why I'm on social media. If I get information, I'm not sitting there saying, okay, let me hold it until six o'clock or five o'clock or four o'clock. Mm. Let me get it out there as soon as possible. What has happened is <clears throat> there are so many outlets and so many sources for information. And even if it's all correct information, it's just it's so many people that have it. What you try to do is create this source on social media where you are the authority or somebody that people can trust. They, they know when I post something, and this is my, my reputation on social media, at least what I try to do. Here are the facts. Here's maybe an insight. But I don't get on there and, and take, I don't take a stance and say, oh, I feel this way or, or, or this guy sucks. I don't do that. It's here's the information. If you want to take, there are plenty of places for a take. If you want the latest information and have it be factual and accurate on your social media, you turn to me. And that's, that's what I try and do. So as for what, how it's changed what I do, like on air, I know people are, have already seen the story. If I can spin it a different way, if I can add a, an element to it, if I can bring a visual element to it, that's what I try and do. And that's always the challenge. I mean, I, I, the days of the newscast of record, it just doesn't work quite that way anymore. We all know that. It's, okay, how can we make it, how can we bring out something that you're not going to find on social media? And then to the focusing back on the high school sports. Okay. So you've been here since 95. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about maybe the top three high school athletes that you've gotten the opportunity to cover through the Whippeal. Okay. I, I, I want to say it's easy, but it's not. Um, well, LeVar Arrington, it was by far the most gifted athlete in terms of just physical talent I've ever seen. I mean, the fact he played linebacker in college, he could have played running back. He could have done whatever he wanted. He, he could have. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I guess I'm, I thought his pro career would be even bigger, and I'm surprised it wasn't. Um, and I've got to know him socially now as, as a person, as a father, as a talk show. He does radio sports in, I believe, D.C. Mm -hmm. um, but he was by far the most incredible athlete I ever saw. And I don't think there's any, any debate. If, anybody, if you saw him, there are kids today who can't do what he did. No. Yeah. You know, and he could, do, he, he could play both sides of the, of the field. He, um, he was as smart as he was talented. So he, he would be my first. Okay. Uh, Swin Cash, the basketball player from Keysport High School. Um, she was just so much better than everybody else. I mean, she was tall, let's be honest. But she was just so much better. And I'm not surprised at the success she had at UConn, on the Olympic scene, in the WNBA, and now in the front office. And uh, it's fun. I talked to her too. And it's interesting. The, the kids that you really admire and you were impressed with, you get, I got to know them as people. And now to this day, you talk to them as contemporaries. And that's what's really cool. You know, I, I'm more impressed with Swin Cash, the front office executive. That I am. Right, right. Because she was, she was amazing as an athlete. But her, her smarts, her business sense, you know, she, she has her own, you know, cosmetic line. She does modeling. She's a front office person in, in, in the MBA. Not the WNBA, the NBA. She's amazing. She really is. So that's my second. And then my third athlete, and this might, I don't know if this will surprise you. I thought Steve Breston, 
who played Woodland Hills. Fastest football player I've ever seen. Fastest. I mean, I remember him not so much because of uh, any one moment, but he's the kind of guy who literally, when he took off and ran with the ball, he was a return man, receiver. Everybody else looked like they were standing still. He just was, and of course he went on to play in Michigan, um, played briefly in the NFL. But in terms of a guy with complete ability and talent, unlike anything I've ever seen, he's in my top three. So that's my top three. And lastly, if you were giving advice to somebody that maybe graduated from college or maybe they're not, maybe they didn't go down the road of wanting to be a journalist or wanting to be on TV, but they have an interest in podcasting or, or whatever it might be, what would your advice be? Well, I think the, the best thing I can tell them is that, that now we live in a world where it's not just about interning at a TV station. There's podcasting. There's other forms of media. Um, you know, if you have an interest, the most important thing you can do is start to look into it right now. Don't wait till you get to college. Don't wait till you have a job. You know, there are so many people out there who will talk to you. I mean, I'm one of those people. You know, I think many of us who work in this business, uh, we were where young people are today. We have an interest. It's something we want to pursue, but we really don't know what to do or how to go about doing it. And we all remember what that was like. And there's always that one person to help us out along the way. And that one person who gave us that, that, that push that sent us in a direction to where we are today. So I've never forgotten that. And I always try to help when I can. I mean, I, I can't do as much like today with COVID. It's hard to, you know, the internships are hard and that sort of thing. But I'm happy to give advice and I'm happy to help. And I just think if you have an interest, start today, you know, and, and if your first job isn't, let's say you want to be a sportscaster and your first job is not a sportscaster, don't feel like you fail. You know, what, once you're inside a organization, you can move around, you can do things. Uh, I'm sure everybody dreams about being on air. I'm probably the only person who did. But as I went through the business, I found where I could go, and what I could do that led me to a place that I never thought I would ever be. But here I am. And it's like, okay, this is, this is a good fit. And you're so, very good at it too. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I, it, it's taken about 20, well, 30 years of work. <laughs> and I'm still learning. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not a TV guy. I'm just not that person. You know, I, I just, this is who I am. And, uh, you know, I hope the viewers see that, understand that. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not this huge source of knowledge. I'm part of a, of a bigger collective of people behind me who make it happen. It's not for the producers, the writers, the photographers, the editors. Uh, the reporters out there, you know, I, I'm just that person who sets the table. They're the ones who tell the stories. Well, before we before we part ways, I want to I want to ask you a favor. Can you sure. say hello to Ashley for us? Because she was a former guest on the show. I, you know, I saw her and I felt the pressure immediately, which is why I didn't call you back immediately. Because like I cannot, she is she's head and shoulders above, above me. She's, I, I am she's one of the more impressive people I know. And she, um, she has a great smile, great ability, great talent. Um, so following up, following in her footsteps is very hard, very hard. Um, and I, again, I know I've said it multiple times, but I want to thank you because you you reached out immediately, and, and we got this to work. Um, guys, this has been Dingo Talk. I am Carla Guadagnino, Andrew Stocky, 4 p.m., 5 p.m. News anchor for Channel Four, sports director, and sportscast host at 6 and 11. Um, Who knows what else I'll be doing? I mean, it's... it's <laughs> and if you're if you're at a coffee shop in Pittsburgh, I saw a thing that said one of your interests is finding the local coffee shops yes. around. Yes. 
Yeah. So, um, thank you again. You guys can all find us on YouTube. It's Dingo Talk. It'll be right here in the middle. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's at Dingo Talk. Instagram is Dingo Talk under, Dingo underscore talk. And TikTok is at Dingo Talk. But we will be back next week, 10 o'clock every, every Thursday. And we'll see you next week, Chuckleheads. You want to know by now. You